0: This podcast is brought to you by WatchCity Research, your user research partner. Check out WatchCityResearch.com for insightful blog posts and to learn more about our UX research services. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 97 UX Things podcast. Dan Berlin here, your host and book editor. I'm joined this week by Christy ennis Clute, who wrote the chapter Embrace a Shared Cadence to Avoid Silos. Welcome, Christy. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure thing. Um, I am a director of product design at a small studio, Argenta Park. And that is a new role for me stepping in as of recently. But I just came away from a new place uh, or my previous place that was OST as a design practice leader of a larger team of 30 and this new team i'm with is a much smaller team uh under 20 people
0: gotcha and and where do you tend to focus your work are you more on the the research side design strategy
1: yeah as um This new place especially fits my background that my space has been around the connected product experiences. So for Mm. me, I really enjoy the complexity of those multimodal experiences and when you have to pull a variety of skill sets together to pull off those experiences. Cool,
0: cool. Um, And and yeah, can you tell us about your UX journey? How did you discover UX and how did you wind up where you are today?
1: Absolutely. Uh, When I came in to this space. I, even from high school, if you could believe it, I went down a journey to explore what was the difference between graphic design and physical product design. And while that seems like a chasm of a stretch in some ways, it actually wasn't. I started because of the engineering side, going down learning physical product design, but I always found myself working on digital products. Mm. And in my study abroad in college, I studied at an art school for a year and I got exposure to a master's program. They were starting there on digital experience design. And they happen to have a product that was the new handy, as they call it there in Germany. I mean, it was the new mobile phone, next generation Mm. for Siemens. And I got my first exposure to what it meant to design for digital and even see what real research was. Um, But also in, I took a quick break and saw in the UK, they were starting an actual interaction program. And so that was the beginning of a journey for me to see like there is a space here, there is this in between. So like many, it's not a straight path but you pick up where your strengths are and move into it so that's and i've i've just uh always been on the place and space of consulting so i've been with uh this will be my fourth studio to move into so mm-hmm. um i don't know it's, i've just really enjoyed the variety in the work in solving for all these unique problem spaces
0: right yeah, I've been in agency life uh, my whole time, too. I'm right? totally uh, right there with you. You mentioned yeah. discovering your strengths. Can you tell us a little oh, bit more gosh, about yeah. that? How did you go you know, about that, discovering your strengths?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I can say particularly as I never expected myself in a place of leadership or leading teams, but what I found is uh, I think I hate to also use like sports analogies, but When I see an opportunity and seeing that nobody else is stepping into that, you take it, right? You see the ball coming and you go get it uh, because I do love soccer. But uh, that's what I've seen is um, leveraging that strength of my own and learning to embrace that. It's something that I would say totally relates to this chapter. But you look for where everybody does have their strengths of uh, what they're really good at. And so for myself, I found um, I – I'm somehow really good with a lot of different variety of details. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the thing I really enjoy. So wrangling all the things that are in motion, I actually somehow do enjoy context switching quite a bit. So that's that's what I've learned to just embrace it because it's something that I can do and I get comfortable with, and it's not for everybody, and that's right. totally okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Agreed. To um, okay, something <laughs> you said in the very beginning that resonated with me. Um, one of the mantras I always tell folks is if you see a need, fill it find a way yeah. to fill it and that's the yeah. best way to move things forward.
1: Yeah. Um, and I I had to learn hard like and sometimes I catch myself but not to wait always for permission. I mean sometimes by mm. the time you've waited for permission to move into that space it's too late, right or you've really dragged out the opportunity and it could have been fixed so much sooner if Absolutely. Uh, you know because you see something uniquely from your own experiences and so you could see the problem from a way that somebody else doesn't see so you could go address it.
0: had a dollar for every time someone said to me you know just (laughs) go for it and ask for forgiveness if need be right Uh, i'd I'd have a couple of bucks because it's a a good life lesson
1: i feel like that's the 80 20 80 percent of the time it's like people would prefer you just did that (laughs) so yeah
0: so uh you mentioned your chapter uh embrace a shared cadence to avoid silos can you tell us about that please
1: absolutely uh so when i work here in a lot of this consulting space we move across a lot of different organizations and a lot of different variety of team settings and especially for these complex products uh, you, i just cannot imagine how something actually gets moved through if you do keep it focused in the silo in which gives maybe someone a space for control but it's not going to move it the thing for it right it's that um there's there's that line out there that is oh sorry dan this is where i'm gonna have to pause here um uh sorry i'm forgetting oh it's such a good one. Oh. okay i'm gonna skip over it but it's like that move alone move together like you move faster all together or sorry oh, um, bigger impact all together how uh, do you say it
0: if you move you move faster together than you do alone
1: no. Some, it's something about you can move fast alone, but if you're all together, you can make a bigger impact, right? So
0: yeah, I don't know what it but is. Anyway, we sometimes. can skip over that. Okay. Okay.
1: So. Woo. Break. So when I look at this, uh, what you can do if you move as a whole group, I mean, there is just so much impact you can make across a multimodal kind of product exactly that space that I truly enjoy sitting in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, but you have to be willing to step in and embrace other strengths and know the space that you sit in. So, um, but it's what it takes to pull off these, the complexity of the new world we all work
0: in. Um, so tell us about that. How are we breaking down those silos? How are we ensuring that there is this cross-team collaboration in another other methods or ways that we can ensure we're doing this in, a, in an efficient, effective way?
1: Yeah. Uh, when I look at this, I mean, everybody knows the language of the whole agile over waterfall. Mm. I mean, waterfall definitely appeals itself to being in a singular, um, one team at a time motions. But the coordination, uh, like a great choreography, you know, bringing different teams in at the right times. I've seen things like, uh, it's, I am an advocate for, um, safe, that scaled agile framework for enterprises that I do enjoy because it does look at the dependencies across all these streams of work and looks for where does everybody need to take their step in so then the other person can step out or where do we need to actually make that dance together so we can come to the solution. So, I do have three different, very simple ways to suggest that you could start to move into that. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I say a shared cadence, you could say it's, it's a meeting. It doesn't have to be a meeting. It has to just be a rhythm that you set together because that rhythm starts to build that intimacy as a team and you can rely on each other to come through, but I say it's just, there's a couple key things. It's keep it brief. All you need to do is make sure that you're using that smallest slice of time and hopefully not disrupting somebody in their flow of work, mm-hmm. but keep it brief to at least just give some update and some status of where you're at and um, make it real. You, know, you wanna actually um, m- see, see the work come to life, like have something demonstrable that you can show is progress towards something so with every cadence i mean it could be um even just a snippet or some kind of like proof of value because it's it's what really connects and uh, builds belief while you're building these products Mm -hmm. but then i also suggest like get some time to truly reflect on where this fits in the bigger goal because i think when everybody has some orientation to the larger outcome we're all driving towards it helps them see like, where does my work fit in? How does this all come together? And then you can help um, as a shared goal together, like know how all of these pieces come together. It gives kind of an understanding that you all can own as that narrative together of what's really happening. So when somebody asks a question, you don't have to go like, I don't know. I don't know what that person's doing. Like they're doing their thing. But no, you know what they're doing. You know why this is all coming together as it is
0: sounds like you're suggesting in essentially these meetings ensuring that you're covering both the tactical and strategic for everyone correct yeah
1: yeah I keep thinking about it as like they're all streams running at the same time but you want to make sure there's a touch point there's there's a place where it connects intentionally
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you're not letting that slip away
0: you mentioned people stepping out in, in the safe process. Um, yeah. And but we also you also just t- talked about keeping a cohesive team and building building that together. What are your thoughts on people stepping out during a pro- project and, and when you know especially when they are going to step back in?
1: Yeah. It can be hard uh, to let people step out and then step back in. But I mm-hmm. think that's where having regular places where you can demonstrate the work lets somebody feel at least somewhat in tune to what's actually happening. So when it is their role to come say their line, right, or whatever, and come in and yep. play their part, you they know um, really what's happened up to this point and they understand the context of like, where is the project in the progress of where we're headed so we've had um i'll throw out for example like you might be working with somebody that manages the data side of what's happening Mm -hmm. maybe it's a data analyst or you might be working with somebody that is um working on maybe the web side of the experience and you have a dependency on the content coming or you have a dependency on um, a service that has to be plugged in and working some api and you want to make sure that you know when and where and who owns that so that when you get there they're just as ready as you're ready to connect those two parts, but mm-hmm. yeah, you might not need to be actually working side by side on those, but sometimes you do. Some of the parts of the t- pieces are so dependent on each other that you do want to make sure it's you're almost working side by side.
0: Right. I have a. I tend to be a little too tactical. But that said, <laughs> are there is there documentation or you know methods right. that you're using to keep people, you know, on the same yeah. Track?
1: We, I like to think, um, I love product roadmaps, so at least we can see what Mm -hmm. are the pieces and parts that are coming in when, uh, and not saying that those are actually static things. I hope they're always treated as like living things, that maybe something will be learned and something has to move forward or maybe something has to get pushed back, but those then the teams have something to point to of this is our truth, this is what we believe. So there is a plan, a map that they can see the, vi- the vision of where are we going. But at the same time, like where are the live parts and pieces as they're coming together? Uh, we use Miro a lot. I have some hesitations about the security on Miro, but we have a lot of other tool sets that allow for that visibility of the work mm-hmm. that you can actually see the pieces coming together, and that's why I say too demonstrability of like the code. Even I mean, code is code, and for a designer, I mean, if you're not familiar with able to sit with a, the code, at least see what it's doing at some point, even if it's still very raw and how it's visually coming together, you can see the right. um, impact. Yeah,
0: you mentioned um, planning. Oh, you you mentioned how everything is changing, or. Um, mm, mm, mm. You mentioned how the roadmap needs to be ever-changing and i'm right there with you on that Mm -hmm. Um, tell me about the planning because if you plan too far out then what you have planned for you know eight months out is is bunk how do you go (laughs) about that planning especially when different departments may have different cadences
1: yeah i think about that of uh especially too when different departments might have other teams dependent on them too. And they Mm. have to prioritize their work into the whole flow. Uh, that's, it's a lot, it's a lot of coordinated pieces. So when you think about the effort that you're going to have to serve for one team or another, uh, I do, it's that cone of certainty, right? I do think there is a, what is in the near term we can say with more confidence, but as it gets out more like eight weeks, 12 weeks out, that's when you almost have to have a planned reset. So um, they call that PI planning, like product increment planning. Mm -hmm. And so there is a time every, for most teams, it is about 8 to 12 weeks is where they do take another point in time to take almost a day or two to stop and reflect and reset that vision of what's happening in the next three months. Mm-hmm. And then rejigger kind of the farther uncertainty that's out there. Cause I think as teams are putting together their like budgets and their yearly plans, like they need to know how much effort is out in front of them, that they need to be standing up and having uh, some readiness to run at whatever velocity is being asked to them. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I have one other tip of like, yes. as we're all going through this, looking what does it mean as a team, we try to look for a theme that everybody can get behind, that they understand why all these pieces. It's not that you're just throwing a bunch of features in because it's a wish list of feature requests, but it's something that uh, a whole team can get behind, that there's there's something that this solves for a user or somebody's need, that they understand the outcome that they're driving towards. So it's not as prescriptive and they can do their creativity in the work but it is helping get to a higher outcome together
0: mm-hmm. i love that documenting the why behind the features yeah. you don't see that very often honestly you yeah just see a list of features and here we go and yeah why, why but do that motivation
1: a team can have together that they all know what they're doing uh and the outcome that they're driving i mean it takes a real maturity for a team to come to this but i also think about that um there's there's a thing out there called like an equation of trust and talks about credibility, reliability, intimacy, and self-orientation. And I think this, like, cadence builds that intimacy piece that you have a regular touch point and you know, like, you almost know how somebody's feeling or how they're doing to know if, like, you can still rely on them or give them that space they need because maybe something else is going on. But you know this, like, maybe at least once a week or every other week that like, you'll know where they're at to know if they can really, you can trust them and relied for them to step in or, uh, yep. yeah, it all come together that way.
0: You mentioned team maturity. Let's focus there for a moment. Uh, let's yeah. say, you know, we want to build that from scratch and sure <laughs> the shared cadence in terms of the meeting and, and sharing information seems like a, a wonderful first step and a continued step, but what else should we be considering there?
1: Yeah. I think about, um, experience levels across the team, right? You've got yeah. to have somebody have like who's going to own what pieces and if that's a maturity the team knows how to rely on each other and I I think about expectations even for everybody at every point of the process somebody knowing what's expected of them so they know the role they're playing Um, then they I think people can come in with more confidence to like this is my part to play and that's when I think about maturity of a team who is helping set that guidance and who's putting that together uh, it takes real, you know, you got to find some good strength and leadership in that or, you know, coach people through that leadership. And I mean, starting somewhere is better than nowhere, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I I've worked with so many different groups that this is where I'm going. Like, you know, there is no one way to do it, but there's a lot of tools out there that can help different teams that like if you are a budding team, Just having a Kanban board, you can start there. You don't have to go all the way to a highly elevated, like, safe planning across multiple teams. I mean, just having something to make the work visible and understand what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going. You don't have to be prescriptive to any one tool set
0: or method. That that said, you did mention uh, a Kanban board. Can you? There may be folks who are unfamiliar with that. Can you fill us in? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... The simplest way of a Kanban board, I think of it's a to do, doing and done. And you list each one of the steps or pieces and break down the work to small enough nuggets that you can get it done in the timelines that you're working in. So we say, like, if you can uh, sit, <laughs> we've talked about this where, I mean, you might put down a goal that um, you want to solve a uh, I want to solve for hunger. I'm like, oh my God, that's like aud- right. audacious. Like, that's not a thing. But you want to be able to provide somebody a menu so they can plan. Like, that's getting closer. That's getting much closer down to like something that's a version of a menu mm-hmm. and you can see that the person can plan from it. That's almost getting to a tool set. Or you want them to be able to understand choices of the day to know that they're fitting their diet or something. I mean, that gets into something nitty gritty that people can work with. Um, So we highly encourage breaking down work, but um, there's sometimes that you do need those big audacious things so you can get that orientation. And I encourage teams to like put that in the backlog, but call it out for what it is. It's it, we call it a spike, but it's, it could be something that you need to actually block time to make sure we conceptually all have the same mindset around what is this big free thing um i'll throw for you too i i actually did uh during the pandemic ask my kids to break down their own work and we put them Hmm. on little sticky notes so they could move their work through and actually feel like they were getting things done i mean making it physical or making it uh, a thing it was less abstract so people could actually see the work moving and feel accomplishments
0: took a pause there Yep. You're, ta- you're talking with your hands and hitting the microphone.
1: Oh, sorry, I did. Um, yep, you know th- it, Dan. <laughs> I think we can
0: keep that. But um, okay, yeah, good call. Okay, so we're actually. Um, I'll just. I'm just going to get to like the what else question, and then we'll move on to the final thing. Yeah. Great. Thanks for all that. Was there anything else about your chapter that you were hoping to convey to folks here today?
1: Yeah. Um, when I think about these shared cadences, I really like to break down the walls and barriers that are um, perceived, but maybe people don't talk about it. I mean, it helps the team know like you're together, even though you come from all these different backgrounds. And I, when I say like doing it together kind of makes it seemed owned together. So it doesn't uh, create this blame culture of they did this they did that no we own it together and you can see it and feel it and it really brings a team and a trust so that it gives each other more freedom to um kind of create that safety together and and push and ask questions so i would encourage people of like when you really embrace others that are a part of delivering this with you it gives you so much more room as a designer to Um, have the harder conversations and push on each other to how to be creative in solving for it. So, um, and I, I say this in that uh, if we sat in our corners and waited for somebody to ask us about it, it would never happen. So I push people hard to like make it a part of your, if you embrace this, you're going to have so much more opportunity to do the things that you want to do and encourage people to get there.
0: Right. And uh how you approach it uh, it should be a part of everything that you do uh the way that you talk about the project and the team it's it's cliche to say there's no i in team but even when you're writing (laughs) an email for example yes it's not i it's it's we
1: yeah it's it's our problem right i mean if you if you um put it in their bucket to fill i mean Nobody wants to work in that alone. Uh, I mean, we're all real people at the core of it, solving for real people problems. So, yeah, I encourage this. Like, it's about embracing other people and embracing through this cadence. It really does help break down those silos.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, wonderful. Thank you for all of those uh, wonderful, uh, actionable tips to bring folks together. In the last part of our, uh, in the last part of this uh, podcast, we like to get a Oh my God. Yeah. I'm gonna start over though. Yeah. Thanks for all that. Uh, all wonderful tips about uh, bringing folks together are really actionable, so thanks for that. In our last segment, we'd like to get a career tip for folks, uh, whether they're breaking into UX or have a lot of experience. Do you have a career tip that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah. I'd like to bring it back to when I opened this up and we were talking about strengths. Uh, knowing, as things are so rapidly changing, there are programs out there that are starting to get actually pretty disciplined in teaching methodologies, and I'm seeing some really great people come out of programs compared mm. to when I came out of school. But I think about we, when I'm putting together a team, also, like we leverage people's strengths. So coming back to that, that I've, I've worked with people that come from a background of teaching, come from a background of maybe writing, Or even uh, those that have come through seminary school. I mean, all of this stuff actually does really matter because I can use the strengths they have in the way they think and approach uh, problems. They come with their unique perspectives. And I would say, leverage that to like own that. You know, Mm. for anybody coming into this, like you have some interesting strengths. And I would say, if you own that uniquely, you're going to stand out. As uh, or be able to offer something that you can authentically step into because it's something you already do well. Um, I'm like leverage that. Uh, everything across what we design like needs that variety. Yeah. So there's there's a place for it. So I'm, I don't like people to give up or feel like uh you know they're um they're playing a role that they shouldn't play. But I'm like no no that's you belong in this space just as much too.
0: Yeah, uh, that's one of the benefits of yeah. Having UX as a second career, uh, yes. for a lot of folks, we found this as a second career, and we yes. had that initial experience, and yeah. all those shared different experiences on a shared team makes for makes for goodness.
1: Yeah, like I, I think it was imposter syndrome is what I'm trying to use. That I'm like nobody should feel like an imposter in this space. I mean, you come to it with something that you should own authentically. So right, right, yeah.
0: Cool. Well. Um, Christy, there's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here today. Uh, My guest today has been Christy Ennis-Klute, who wrote the chapter Embrace a Shared Cadence to Avoid Silos. Thanks for joining me, Christy.
1: Thank you, Dan. This was great.
0: Uh, It's been a lot of fun, and thanks for listening, everyone. The 97 UX Things podcast is a companion to the book 97 Things Every UX Practitioner Should Know, published by O'Reilly, and all book royalties go to UX nonprofits. The theme music is Iron Lung by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm your host and book editor, Dan Berlin. Please remember to find the needs in your community and fill them with your best work. Thanks for listening.